Hey, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kenny Wolf. Uh, Kenny is an experienced multifamily syndicator, the founder and CEO of Wolf Investments. Uh, he also a published author with Investing in the Dream, How to Acquire Multifamily Real Estate and Attain Total Financial Freedom. Um, so, Kenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us about kind of like your, uh, how you, how you got started. I mean, I don't, how, did you get started in multifamily uh, right away or did you do some other kind of an intermediate step before you did the big jump? Sure. Uh, that's a good question. So um, I actually started in oil and gas. Um, oh. I was on the accounting side. So at the uh, ripe old age of 28, they made me CFO of that uh, company and uh, yeah, we grew up pretty big and had a good run. And then um, we wanted that company down and, um, just decided I wanted to be out of oil and gas because that yeah. has huge, huge ups and downs, um, uh, you know, feast or famine there in that industry. Uh, so I wanted to uh, go into um, real estate, always had a passion for it. Um, but actually, I, I did. I ended up jumping right into multifamily. Um, so I've, I've actually never owned a single single family rental myself. Mm-hmm. Um, jumped right into that. Um, I went I was passive twice to kind of learn the ropes because I knew I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one was a huge fixer upper. Um, the pizza delivery guy wouldn't go into the into the complex because he'd get mugged. Yeah. Um, it was that bad. Uh, and then the other was a yield play. Yeah, the other yeah. was a yield play uh, Fannie Mae loan. And so kind of, you know, specifically chose those two because one to see uh, just complete polar opposites of investing in multifamily. Uh, and then also to build the team too, because I need to know who's the management company, who's the mortgage broker, the roofer, you know, all these things uh, that you need to know. Um, and then after that one, I was, um, I syndicated a 76 unit deal, found I think 11 people besides myself uh, to throw some money in. And we bought a 76 unit property in Wiley, Texas. And then, um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how it all started. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, a lot of people also start kind of like being passive, right? So they kind of like put some money in and they uh, either like a joint venture or they join a syndication. Um, is What's the best way to leverage that? Because I think a lot of people, they just, uh, I mean, you learn a little bit, I would think, but you, you're missing a lot also by just being passive. I think you... Uh, it's, it's you're more complacent for one thing and instead when you're in the driver's seat you are on the hook for everything right. <laughs> as a passive investor it's pretty easy to oh yeah i want to be involved and then go away for three weeks and then things things are done you know what i mean right yeah no you have to be committed to that so i when i was you know when i um was you know, I was 28 years old at the same time too. I was writing a hundred thousand dollar check to be a passive investor. My hand was shaking because yeah. um, a lot of money, uh, especially to a 28 year old to write. Uh, but anyways, yeah. put it in. I said, like, this is my um, investment. It's also my education. So I'm, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I'm going to dive into the numbers. Whenever you're on site, I would love to come tag along. And so I was, I was that guy who just really uh, kind of stuck with it and you know, just, um, I, I was not complacent. Now, if you're going to learn, like you said, you cannot be complacent. You're not, it's not osmosis. Um, yeah. you actually got to go walk the property if you can, um, you know, dive into the numbers, ask questions and, um, figure out who 
the teammates are um, to help you run it. If you, if you want to be a syndicator, not everybody wants to, not everybody's cut out to be a yeah. syndicator because it's a lot of, a lot of hours. Um, yeah. It's not passive at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's the opposite. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, so that's it too, is like, you gotta, you know, you as an individual have to know like, what's your end game? Like, do you want to end up being a syndicator or do you want to be on the beach and collect checks? I mean, that's, those are two different roles um, yeah. and the both are fine, but you just got to know what, what you want, you know? Yeah. 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 And um, so what, what's your strategy when you are looking for an investment? Let's just say like multifamily, but I think, you know, some of it is also uh, also applies to other types of investment. How do you decide? Uh, do you look at market first? Do you look at the uh, deals first? Do you, what's, what's the, uh, the strategy there? Sure. Yeah. So we, um, so we have three arms of the company, but for multifamily, um, we have to make sure that, that, that it's a landlord friendly state. Um, if we can't evict someone who's not paying us in nine months, then I have to pay my mortgage for nine months. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not investing in there. I want to stack the chips in our, our, our favor. Um, so that's the a number one. And then it, within that state, then we dial into uh, which city cities we want to be in. So, you know, I'll pick on, I always pick on Midland, Odessa, Texas. Um, we love Texas. Great landlord friendly state, great yeah. business friendly state. Um, but Midland, Odessa um, is all oil and gas jobs. And so if you invest in multifamily in Midland, Odessa, you're really in the oil and gas business. Yeah. Because your rents and, oper and operations are going to be directly tied to the price of oil yeah. uh, you know so we, we want diversified um, economic drivers as yeah, well yeah. in yeah. that city. diversification yeah. yeah yeah and then population growth you know rent growth like it's uh, it's not rocket science what we do yeah yeah uh, yeah you so know. your uh, your criteria are actually pretty pretty similar to the ones that uh, that i use you know for yeah. uh, for my investment yeah yeah it's not rocket science now so we have a triple net arm where we go by cbf yeah. stock generals and all those we're in 15 different states. We yeah. own properties in New York state. I would never own a multifamily in New York, the state of New York, but yeah. we have multiple dollar generals and okay. CPSs up there. So so for our uh, viewers out there, can you explain kind of like what what's a, tri a triple net kind of investment? What does that look like and how does it compare to, you know, a regular multifamily kind of apartment? Sure. And we still buy multifamily today, but we added this about five years ago, this arm, because some of our investors wanted like just a monthly stable um, cash flow coming into their their bank, their ACH or check, whatever they want. Um, and so multifamily is operational heavy, right? We have to go chase rent. We have to fix toilets, right? And so that's so that we do quarterly distributions on our multifamily because one month will have higher rents and or higher revenue, lower revenue, higher. So it, it, it smooths it out if you do quarterly on those. Um, but for these triple net and double net properties that we buy, uh, one, we buy them underneath a fund. So we're in our fourth fund now. Um, so one investor comes in, they own this current fund. It's got 14 stores in it today and another 10 coming here in the next 60 days. But so they have their ownership spread over multiple stores, which is which is nice um, to de-risk it somewhat because um, they're all what we're, we buy our high credit. Uh, most so far, it's been all single tenant stores. So it's like buying a single family home. If you're vacant, you're 100% vacant. So the riskiest part in investing in single family rentals is this, if when you only own one. Yeah, um, exactly. you, you need two or three to smooth out any vacancy, right? Yeah. Um, so th it's the same thing. So that's why we buy these under a fund. Uh, but basically, you know, our credits are, our tenants are CBS, Walgreens, um, Dollar General. But so a true triple net lease is where um, you're the landlord, you own the land and the building. 
Um, and then the tenant takes care of all the operational um, uh, repairs and maintenance on the property. They re reimburse you for property taxes. They reimburse you for insurance. Um, so it strips out all the operational risk, mm -hmm. almost all, almost all the operational risk um, compared to multifamily, um, and, and which is nice. Um, um, and the blessing and the curse with those is that you have long-term leases. Mm -hmm. So you've got, a, you know, seven years left on a 15 year lease with CVS at that location. So, you know, you're going to get paid rent. The problem though, the, 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 the curse is that um, in multifamily, our, our, our leases reset every 12 months. Okay. So you can raise that rent. Yeah. Well, so with these, you're locked in, you're locked in your rent. So that's yeah. the blessing and the curse, right? So, um, so anyway, so that's, um, um, some of them are double net. And so triple net gets used way too much. Um, double net is mostly what we actually see in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, kind of worst case for us is always our family dollars that we own. Um, so worst case that we're on the hook for the roof, the structure, the parking lot, and part of the HVAC. Okay. Uh, so other than that, they take care of everything else. They still reimburse us for property taxes and insurance. So it's still a lot less operational heavy yeah. um, and just great, you know, monthly cash flow rolling in every single month. Yeah, but as long as you know you're you're you uh you have the finished uh, what's not driveway but uh, parking lot and uh, the roof is fine and the age vac is uh, and you pay the maintenance if there's any maintenance that needs to be done, then you're fine. The rest of the operations for the for the building is being covered by uh, by the tenant. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. So they're great. We like those. Um, we had folks that just wanted that monthly cash flow just so they can drive around their RV. And still have that ACH hit every single month. And that was yeah. a great fit for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and any particular states that are especially good for the triple net kind of, um, I know you mentioned that you're investing in like 15 states right now for that, I think. So, right. um, any particular states that we should be looking at if uh, someone is interested in that? Um, I mean, you want to see uh, population growth. I mean, you don't really care about landlord friendly because that, that, you know, no one's trying to cancel their rent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, no one's trying to cancel Dollar General's rent. But um, uh, so we're, you know, um, on the on that front, we don't really care. But you do want to know um, it, um, population growth and then traffic counts mm -hmm. um, count a lot more because if you do have to replace that tenant, you know, um, traffic counts have to be high enough where you're going to get. If it's a Dollar Tree, you can replace them with the Dollar General or uh, Advanced Auto Parts, or you know, you yeah, can yeah, make yeah. cash folks. So um traffic counts count way more in that than than uh, multifamily okay and do you find the tenant for like you mentioned like dollar general and stuff like that. do you find that tenant you start to build a relationship with some of these key tenants and then you understand kind of their needs you understand like dollar general they look for specific areas then they're not they you know there's some areas that you're not going to find a dollar general Right. But other areas are more prone to that. And then you kind of go and seek out uh, the, the space uh, for their for for a potential location for them or the, which way, which uh, comes first, the tenant or the or the. Uh, that's, that's a good, uh, a good question. So so our funds actually buy all only existing um, occupied buildings. OK, uh, so we we're walking into, you know, cash flow day one. Um, we haven't done that yet. We, we've actually just became a take five auto or take take five oil change um, a developer. Um, okay. So we're going to see if that works. Um, we haven't got one yet, but we'll see. Um, so that the, the we're we're maybe growing into that yeah. uh, potentially in the future.
Uh, okay, so you buy you buy things that are currently uh, you know occupied by an anchor, an anchor tenant, and then uh, okay, so you build from that. So um, the uh, are you doing any kind of like office building or uh, any kind of office building conversion or anything like that as well as part of that, or you're really focused on the retail? No, so yeah, so that's our that's our third arm. So we do ground up multifamily, and then um, two years ago fell into. Um, buying um, downtown office high rises and converting them to multifamily. So that's our development arm. Okay. We've got nine of those now um, across the U.S. Nine office towers we're converting. Oh wow! Um, so um, those are great. Some of them are historical buildings, so we get some grant money from there. Um, some of them are opportunity zones. So those are uh, those are pretty cool, but for a different reason. They're not great for cash flow. Obviously, it's development, oh. but they're uh, but they are good for huge gains quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as long as you're in, in the right area and you have to do like significant either ground up development or uh, I think it was like more than 50% of the value of the property, right? That, that, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. These are not light rehabs. <laughs> no, this is massive rehab. That you massive. Have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Repurposing those uh, buildings are, are, are great. So we have a, um, I'm flying, flying up here in a few weeks to check it out, but we have three stories torn out of um, the old Ohio Bell headquarters. In downtown Cleveland, it's 500,000 square foot building yeah. that we're converting to mostly multifamily. We'll have some retail restaurant in the bottom floor. Okay. Too. Okay. Interesting. So what are some of the kind of like the, the uh, I would say like aha moments of your career when you're looking at, um, you know, like all, all the stuff that you've done? I mean, you've done like from, uh, you know, single family all the way to commercial, triple net, multifamily and stuff like that. What are some of your aha moments? Um, you know, going into it, our, our, my biggest, um, 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 my biggest, uh, kind of, I don't know, uh, rule I kind of stuck to was, was, um, I can't be bogged down in the day-to-day -day operations. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, that really forced me to, I mean, our first indication was 76 units. I went past it twice and then went into 76 units. And yeah. the reason why I wanted that big of a property is because I didn't want to, um, um, be the one collecting rent or evicting or, changing toilets, like that kind of stuff. If, if you're, if you're into those smaller properties, you're going to be dragged into the day-to-day um, -day operations and you can't grow your portfolio. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the biggest thing. And I'm, I, that was a big rule um, of mine going, starting. And it was turned out to be pretty correct because yeah. there's that 76 unit deal we bought was actually a portfolio. So there was another guy that bought the 32 units. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that guy, um, the seller wouldn't sell me my 76 unit until the 32 unit closed. Okay. So he didn't want to be stuck with a 32 unit deal. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lesson there. Uh, but the 76 units, um, um, that allowed me to have full-time, uh, full-time manager on site, full-time maintenance on site. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've done over 8,000 units. I still don't know how to evict anybody. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. got great people, you know, on site that do that, um, and, and make, and, you know, make these units ready and upgrade them and all those things. But if I were doing that, I couldn't have grown the portfolio um, yeah. as, as we've gone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people are kind of like, they're always complaining about, oh, I have to pay property management and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not worth it. But on a, a, even on single family, people get started and say, oh, I'd rather do the property management myself. I was like, what, you're going to save like a hundred bucks? Imagine right. you're hiring someone a hundred dollars a month to take care of anything that could happen during the month. Right. Like what's your time worth? Geez, you know, that's, this is yeah. Cheap. 
<laughs> right. It's paid by the tenant anyway. So it's like, yeah, exactly. What are you worried about? And then you can focus on, you know, other things like focus on, hey, we're buying the next one and, you know, all right. that kind of stuff. And that's where you make your money is, yeah. is by growing your portfolio. You know, it's not, it's not changing the toilets or evicting someone or leasing yeah. a unit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, uh, so kind of like, what's the, uh, any other aha moments or kind of lessons learned from your uh, career? Um, Man, it, we, we, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, we, we, we've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. Um, you know, I, I think diversification is is a big deal, too. Um, we we were one of the first. Um, so we, you know, we're in the syndicator crowd here in Dallas-Fort Worth, which is a very uh, crowded field. Um, yeah. I think Texas is the hotbed for that. But um, uh, we were one of the first ones uh, to step outside of Texas. So we had an investor group here. We bought a um, 192 unit property in Colorado Springs. Okay. Um, and by branching out to different states and different cities, um, our deal flow was just that much more. And mm -hmm. so, because I felt the Dallas Fort Worth prices were high, yeah. um, I did. To me, there was a lot of risk there. And so, yeah. going to these other markets um, really it just fueled our growth, but also made it. You know, it just diversified um, geographically for our investors. Um, you know, better options. They had more options to choose from. Yeah. So what do you, would you consider is kind of like uh, your secret sauce or your secret value process or stuff like that, that you do that some of the other investors out there are not are not doing? Sure. I mean, you know, everybody's looking for value add. Everybody's got that same, you know, everybody wants the B minus to a B plus value add. That's that's uh, that's that's the thing uh, everybody wants. So um, how do you set yourself apart in that? Um, and so we're you know, we um, we get off market deals now. And I know a lot of people say that, but, and they still come from brokers in the multifamily world, yeah. but uh, I mean, we're, we're buying two right now where we uh, um, they were sent to us off market um, and we got first dibs because they know that we, we close on time. We say mm -hmm. what we do and we do what we say and, and we don't retrade um, unless it's just something horrible that the seller's hiding. Um, but we don't retrade and if you, cause that quickly gets you a, a bad name in the industry and people don't sell to you. Yeah. Um, so, so we, so we get a lot of first shots like that. And then we're just kind of thinking out of the box on creating value. So like these office conversions, yeah. um, you know, we get, um, historical grant money, um, uh, of 20% of our construction budget we've got. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some of them don't come with parking. You know, and so yeah. we actually have uh, we're on our second property now, um, Sonder, um, which is a luxury Airbnb rental company um, now publicly traded. They're actually going to rent. We've got a property we're buying now uh, in Dallas. Um, no parking comes with it, but they're going to they're going to rent floors two through 18 on a 10 year lease at 325 a foot. Wow. You know? um, and so um, and so before we even get yeah, exactly. It's 18 floors. So they're taking the whole building. Wow. Um, and so and the bottom floor is already 7-Eleven, a re, um, restaurant and a high oh, salon. But like that building, before we even swing a hammer, um, we're 98% yeah. leased. I mean, it's so, so it's those kind of things we keep trying yeah. to find value in, uh, for our investors. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah. So, and yeah, that office conversion is pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, this is fairly, like I haven't heard that too much. Um, any particular areas that uh, areas that are very like kind of like ready for that kind of business? Um, oh man, that that's all over. Yeah, it's really oh. all over. Um, although you're although zoning is a problem if you're yeah. in some states. Um, the states that we're in, there's we 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 have, we don't have to do any rezoning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just it's all just commercial. And we look for downtown locations um, because we want a property with like a 95 walk score when we first buy it. And then we're, we know we're only going to make it even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we focus on the downtown uh, core assets like that. Um, the zoning, watch out for that on some of the states, like trying to get something rezoned. And, um, you know, Manhattan is probably a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but in like probably. In Cleveland, you just get, <laughs> you know, like you automatically get it. You just got to get a checkbox like, that. Yeah. It was like San Francisco or something like that. It was like, yeah, maybe tough. So, I mean, you gotta, you want to, you know, in development, I early on when I was talking to a developer when I was first starting, I said, "What what's the lessons you know that that you did?" Because yeah. he's he was a developer for thirty years, um, and he said, "You know, don't fight city hall." You know, so yeah. I just took that to heart. If it's not zoned what what I want to develop, then I don't mess with it. So that's somebody yeah. else's problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so this is going to uh, add a year to your project. Just changing. Yeah, the- and while, yeah, there's there's plenty of office spaces, and so before COVID, uh, most major um, downtown or most, most major, um, cities in the U S had a 30% vacancy on office before COVID. Yeah. So we had too much office before COVID yeah. COVID comes. Now I don't think, it, you know, I think we're much more efficient at our office when people are in the office. So yeah. people are coming back to the office, but you know, our neighbors, they're an it company. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't need to come to the office. So yeah. there's some industries that won't. So we'll have a pairing of that down, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so it's really those office towers that are um, that vacant that where these office owners are hurting yeah. um, where we're finding a lot of folks uh, come to us. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know that some some areas, I think there was overbuilt in terms of office. I know that uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area where I used to live, I mean, they were building office buildings like crazy. There was no no place for people to live. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I know you had a couple of millions to, uh, to throw at it. I- uh, but uh, you know, there was it was crazy, and they were building, building more and more office tower towers, and then uh, everybody is like, well, "What's gonna? Who's gonna move in there?" Like, uh, yeah. And, now I, and that was just before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit, and uh, you know, like then everybody would say, "Well, you can work from home. You can work from uh, Lake Ta- from your cottage." <laughs> people right. moved, who moved everywhere. A lot of them are right. in high tech, all as you know. So is that so these these office towers might be it might be a good idea to convert them into uh, into apartment building. Right. Um, so that that could work out pretty well. Do, is this a different zoning? Like uh, if you have an office building and apartment building, is this a completely different zoning? One of them is more kind of like multi-residential or. Um, it depends on the city and the state you're doing business in. I mean, like, so I, uh, on, on where we've got two assets in downtown Atlanta, two in Cleveland, um, one soon to be in Columbus, Ohio, um, and uh, a couple here in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, but um, so all those um, cities where we're doing business in, um, we don't have to rezone it. It's all zone commercial. Okay. Um, and so we don't have to fight. You don't have to do any kind of rezoning. Some some cities, absolutely. And we haven't messed with any of those. So. Okay. But if it's zoned commercial, then you can do either like a office building, you can do retail, you could do apartment buildings. Right. Well, so but, but I'm going to put in, put in, put an asterisk. Not all cities do that. But yes, on the cities that we're in, yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. 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 Well, that's, this is this is very good. So thank thank you for all that information. So let's talk about the so people our listeners. Right now they say, well, you know, this is pretty interesting. This guy has done a lot. He has a lot of experience in all kinds of different kind of uh, uh, real estate investment. 
what's the recommendation for someone who wants to get started? How do they get started? What space would you recommend they get started in? And uh, kind of like, yeah, what, how to help them decide uh, which strategy to use? Sure. I mean, I always tell folks to start with the end in mind. So again, do you want to be an active or a passive? Um, a passive, I mean, that's just, that. that's pretty easy. You just need to go network and, and find people. Um, we co-host a, a multifamily conference that's just education and networking, no guru thing to buy at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our next one coming in Atlanta uh, here on uh, November 12th, but um, we do that three times a year around the, around the U.S. But um, so those are great. We meet a lot of passives there. Um, um, and then also we, a lot of syndicators go to that event too, because um, or people that want to be a syndicator. So for those that want to be more an active role, um, I think being a passive first and being um, what I call an active passive um, uh, is someone who actually like digs in, wants to walk the units, wants to be there, um, is on the reads the month, the monthly or quarterly financials, whatever your folks send you. But um, someone like that, because you're going to learn a lot that way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then really, again, it's networking, because if you're going to be a syndicator, one, you got to go find good offerings, good investments. But two, you got to be able to raise money. Yeah. Um, and you only do that through networking. And so you've got to put yourself yeah. out there, um, shake a lot of hands, drink a lot of coffee at Starbucks. Um, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's really that, that that's the path to, to yeah. get going on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and networking is key. Absolutely. I think you, uh, you learn a lot. I mean, this is one of the reasons why it's uh, like, I like break with my podcast because I get to interact and network with a lot of very, uh, you know, experienced uh, investors. And I always learn a lot from, uh, from what they've done, the work that they've done. And, um, you know, so speaking with you is, you know, also great from that perspective, learning about the uh, office conversion, learning more about the triple net and what you're doing. So this would be like, you know, this would be a good example of why networking is so important, uh, but also for money. I mean, you know, uh, you understand more the business because you're talking to other people. Real estate investors is a great community to be a part of because everybody's sharing their information. They're sharing strategies. They're sharing all, all kinds of uh, very good information. Right. And, and for, for money as well, to be able to get some investors partnership going it, when, in case you get into a, an opportunity that uh that is great sometimes some opportunities are too big for you uh, sure, so, yeah you know and then you say oh shoot i mean i'm gonna you know i'm gonna call kenny i've never done this office conversion but i think this is the perfect deal right i know, I know the guy the perfect guy for that and then i, I call you and um right. so that's we just actually had that i had a call this morning there's a group uh, out of chicago they they uh they've got um some old warehouses and a great location in downtown milwaukee Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, anyways, they, they, they contacted the lender. They said, well, we're bringing Kenny. Um, yeah. so, uh, so and actually I'm teaming up with them now on the, on the downtown Milwaukee project. So yeah, it's a team sport, you know, exactly. um, and there's a way we can all kind of work together and make money. Just, yeah, exactly. Real estate. That's what I love about it is about this, uh, this community is that it's really, it's very collaborative. And, right. Um, so I really appreciate that. And um, so that's why I'm, I'm telling my listeners, the first thing you need to do and you continue to do and you always do is networking, right? And really. Uh, and sometimes it's not about selling. It's really about networking, understanding what the other person is doing, uh, telling them what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, if they have any kind of insights into that. 
and then working working that way. Eventually, if you find that opportunity, that nugget that you want to share with other people, then you know, then all that networking is going to pay off. Absolutely. Yeah. And if there's a hole you're missing, like if you don't have the net worth to guarantee a loan or yeah. the cash flow or the experience, there's a way to plug in any, you know, any of the, those holes. You have to add some value. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but if you're missing something, which everybody is, especially when they're starting out, yeah. um, you've got to team up um, yeah. and, and you can't do that without networking, like you said. Yeah. So, uh, so Kenny, if uh, people want to reach out to you, they want to buy your book, they want to uh, be part of your conference and stuff like that, where can they reach out to you? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the best place to reach out to us is um, our website. So wolf with an E dash investments.com um, uh, on there. And we put out a lot of uh, educational content on our YouTube channel as well. Um, so just type in Kenny Wolf, it'll pop up. Um, and then the book is on Amazon. So okay. I'm working on, um, we're hopefully releasing the, my second book uh, in December, but we're, we're working on that now. <laughs> okay. Wow. What's the second book about? Uh, the second one's more focused on kind of a broader range of, of personal finance. So okay. it's a way to go from zero to generational wealth. Okay, great. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, a lot of people need that, especially in, as we <laughs> heading right. into weird economy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. Yeah. Kenny, thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge and uh, experience. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, so because we're going to be talking to more and more of these very fantastic guests uh, in the future. Every week, there's a new guest that we are, we are interviewing. So make sure you like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.